Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final Revelation Warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast. We are so blessed that you're joining us here today. How many of you listening to me right now, when you were born again, you were on fire for Christ? I mean, this was the best thing ever. You talked about your faith at work, with your friends, you attended church. If there was a special event or conference coming to town, you were there. It was awesome. Then life began to creep back into your life. The devil started to whisper, is that all there is? You started to skip the Bible study meetings. Not all of them, but it started. And then came a Sunday when you just didn't feel like going to church. And then, and then, and then, till one day you just felt like you let Jesus down. You were undeserving. You were, should I say it, a sinner. Well, (laughs) don't feel alone. It happens to everyone. Me as well. Our guest today has experienced that too. The only issue is when you allow to take over your life, when you realize what's happened and then don't do anything about it, that allows the devil to take the foothold and begin to build a castle in and around your life. You need to understand that and how to combat that. Once you do, then life begins to spring up all around you and in your spirit man again, amen, with a renewed purpose and and love, the love of God. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. James Ford was a carpenter by trade with no formal training other than being a high school graduate. But God had given him a talent and natural abilities to be a blessing to others through construction. He was born again and on fire for the Lord at age 16 and immediately had an encounter with the Lord. Just four years or so later, he left off following the Lord, questioning his Christianity. And let me just say here that although John left God, God did not leave John. Amen. Many years later, John realized God had a mission for him and was given the mission to share with the world the four commands of Christ, disciplines of faith. His ministry name is The Art Project U.S., John Ford has now published a book by the same name, The Four Commands of Christ, Disciplines of Faith, and he is here today to share with us his testimony, his ministry, and all about this great book. Help me welcome to the program, John Ford, author of The Four Commands of Christ. John, thank you for taking the time to come join us today. I do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is John Ford? Well, um, I'm a carpenter. I mean, really, I'm a a nobody. I mean, I I can't believe God would even ask me to write a book, let alone, there's the book. It's done. It's finished. (laughs) And and I know I don't want to bring this on like I'm all that in a bag of chips or anything, but I did say when it was done and published, it is finished. Amen. I understood what the mission was finished. And you, you really start relating to the things that Jesus said throughout his life uh, here on earth, uh, because through the Holy Spirit, he, he just 
develops us. And he's, it took a long time because of my hardness of heart. And I didn't get it. And ignorance plays a lot into it. And, and a lot of what this book is about is ignorance. Don't live in ignorance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we need truth. He came to this earth to give us truth. He gave me truth. And through that truth, I used it. Whatever he gave me, put it down in writing. It took 10 years. This isn't something I did overnight because I'm not a writer. You know, I'm not an English major. I'm no major. You know, I'm a carpenter. <laughs> Amen. I'm a good carpenter, but I'm a carpenter, Amen. you know. Amen. So. Well, so is Jesus. How about that? <laughs> I know. I, I've heard that, and I don't want to, you know, it was really hard for me, but it's like, but that's the truth. I am a carpenter. I mean, I got hundreds of homes I built. I I can show you everything, you know, my skill set. I can still go out and frame a house pretty doggone good, even though I'm old. You know, I could show these young guys a lot that they don't that's even right. know because Amen. I did so many. That was my life. Amen. Well, let's go back to the beginning when you were born again at age 16. You said there was an encounter with the Lord that happened almost immediately. Can you share that experience with us and what happened? I was in the Springville Church of the Nazarene, which is up in the mountains down in the middle of California, kind of southern California. And um, the pastor had a call. And I just said, okay, I accept the call. I want Jesus in my life. And all of a sudden, he showed up, just like in the Bible, blazing. I mean, you could make out who he was, but his blazing, his hands touched my shoulder. Mm. And then immediately, it was gone. And I wanted to shout and scream, but I didn't. And sometimes I wonder if that wasn't a huge mistake. So anybody that's out there, <laughs> if you have something like that, shout, scream. Don't worry what people think. Because that does dampen the spirit to some degree. But I did. I, I Inside, I changed. I didn't know anything. I didn't tell anybody. I just went around and started singing. Uh, you know, when I was in grammar school, we had we sang hymns you know, in grammar school. And I remembered them. And I just started, you know, swing low, sweet cherry, just different songs, you know, just to try to. And then finally, the pastor said, did something happen to you? And I said, yeah, I, I told him <laughs> what had happened. And he says, oh, my goodness. We got to do something about that. So he put me in teaching Sunday school. Mm. And Amen. I think that's what, you know, I just didn't have a mentor. I didn't have, there was no way for me to learn how to be a Christian. And they yeah. threw me into, because I'm a Christian, they threw me into responsibility, which yep. I didn't deserve and shouldn't yep. have had. Yep. And I walked away. I, yep. I just walked away because I didn't know. Throughout my lifetime, yep. God has always been strong in my life, kind of like Samson in some degree, but not in fighting and not in strength, but, you know, strength of the Holy Spirit. And then I'd be like Samson, I'd fall away. I, I just didn't do what God wanted me to do. And um, finally, you know, I just committed to him. I, I, I walked away completely. Yeah. And I just and, said, I'm, I'm done. I can't do it. And you just okay. continued on in the construction business, living life, right? Yep. Until yep. 1980. What happened yep. in 1980? I I was a, a paper millionaire. Let's just call it that. I had 360 lots in Roseville, California. And um, a lot of older people, if they listen to this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, NEC, Hewlett-Packard announced they were going north of me two miles. So that made me one of the most popular guys in Sacramento. I'm not kidding. Guys would take me to lunch. You know, different things would happen. People take notice of you. That's never happened to me before in my life. And I just kind of looked at it like, 
what's this all about, you know? And God took it all away. I, I couldn't afford 22% interest rates on, on the construction loans that I had. Um, I got most of my construction loans, get this guy's 10% interest rates. And we were happy to have 10% interest rates. Uh, but one of my construction loans, me and a half, was on construction of the model homes and whatnot. That was too above prime. And that's what took it all away from I couldn't do it. So I brought investors in. We did this. We sold everything we could. And it just got to a point where uh, Placer Savings and Loan in, in um, Auburn made him an offer. We took it. I walked away. And by the time I paid the investors off, I ended up with zero. And I had a ton of money in there. I mean, I lost my house, my truck. I lost everything because I couldn't pay it. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a way to pay for anything. And I didn't save money like a lot of guys in those days stashed money away. I didn't do that. I just paid everybody as honest. And then I was just kind of feeling sorry for myself one day. And I heard a radio program on, on the on the car radio. And uh, I accepted Jesus again. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came back in me in a strong way. And I just couldn't believe it, you know. And I was just really filled with the Holy Spirit. And some guys that I knew, you know, they they could tell something happened. What happened to you? And I told them. Yeah. And uh, I said, but I don't I don't know how to be a Christian, but, you know, we'll see. Amen. And uh, God so, has been, ever since then, God's been teaching me little at a time what to do. Amen. So you came back to the Lord because of listening to Christian radio. That's correct. Amen. Yes. Amen. So you see, folks, you don't have to go to church and ask the pastor to pray for you. Just like John, I wasn't born again in church. I didn't have anyone there to pray for me. I prayed to the Lord out of my desperation, and he heard me. And without going into my entire testimony again, I was born again, and my life has never been the same since. And Amen. there was nobody there but me and God. And same thing with John, uh, James. I'm sorry. That, that he was. That's all right. Uh, just him and God. Yeah, he listened to the radio. Amen. He listened to the radio. But the Holy Spirit's the one that had him listening to the radio at that moment in time. Praise God. Amen. So your calling into ministry was from the book of Ezekiel, right? Yes. I also have the book of Ezekiel, chapter 2 and chapter 3 for my calling. But the primary calling he gave me was from Ezekiel 3, 1 through 11, specifically verses 5 through 8 that says, For you are not sent to a people of a strange speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel or your own nation. Not to many people of a strange speech, hard language, whose words you can't understand. For I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel, your own nation, will not listen to you, for they will not listen to me. For all the people of your own nation are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I've made your face strong against their faces, their, your forehead strong against their foreheads. As we talked about before the recording, that made complete sense to me because I've grown up, I was always told that I was hard-headed. But <laughs> the point is, I'm not sent to be a missionary overseas. I'm to proclaim the gospel here to the United States. So they're without excuse. Now, your calling was a bit farther down in Ezekiel 3.17. You care to share that? Yeah, 317 says, you know, I called you and you're to go and warn Israel. And, I, and I'm and i with you. I mean, Israel is my people, too. I, I didn't take it as I got to go to Israel. You know, I took it as whoever I have an influence with, whoever's around me, that's my Israel. And he says, I want you to warn them. And if you don't warn them, their blood's on your head. But if you warn them and they don't heed, then the blood's on their head. So to me, my my 
my thought in my head was, boy, the, you know, I got to be careful what I do. If I don't go out and preach and teach and, and write, you know, this stuff is on my head and, and somebody might need this. And I don't know, like you said earlier, I don't know who that's going to be that's going to come forward and accept Jesus. Probably another Martin Luther King. Who knows? I mean, we don't <laughs> know. You know right. uh, God doesn't tell us those things. He just says, be faithful, be obedient, yep. humble yourself yep. and submit. That's Amen. what he said. There was a, a story I heard a long time ago, and back in the turn of the 19th century, in the, like 1901, 02, like that, uh, there was a little old evangelist preacher making the, the circuit tour out in the Midwest, and, you know, he just you know, horse and wagon type thing, you know, before Henry Ford built them the Model T and all that, but he just go town to town, you know, he set up his big tent on the edge of town and, you know, set that up and then have start having nightly meetings. And the next week, you know, the weekend would come, he'd tear it down and move on to the next town, do the same thing. And he went into this one town and set it up and preached his heart out all week long. Nobody came forward to accept the invitation. Not one person until the very last night on the last sermon, a little seven-year-old boy named Billy walked the aisle. And you know, in his log, he said, I, I think this town was a total waste of my time. Because not one person got born again except a little boy named Billy Sunday. Mm. And Billy Sunday changed the world. And because that preacher, a no-name preacher, we still don't know his name, because that one preacher obeyed God, did what he was told to do. On the outside, it looked like a total waste of time, a total flop. But that one preacher, because of his obedience, Billy Sunday changed the world. We're still talking about him today. <laughs> you know? So that's so yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, you never know. Yeah. It's going to take what you say through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to touch their heart and change their life and impact people for decades down the down the tube of time. Amen. Amen. That's that's what I hope. Uh, the um, the book does touch on a lot of that. In other words, it touches on teaching us what God wants us to know. Uh, I feel like we, we all go to church. We all listen all the time to pastors preaching, preaching, preaching. And there's nothing wrong with their preaching. So I'm not condemning that. But what they don't do is they don't send you home with homework or how do I accomplish implement. that? What's, yep. yeah, what, how do I implement? How do I adopt that into my life and make it a part of my life so yep. that I can be a successful Christian? Yeah. I, that was been my problem my whole life. I amen, amen. I love it. I go home filled with the Holy Spirit, and I go out there to the job, and it's gone. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just it's there's yeah. no application. I've and preached but, on that for years too. That you know, people that I was church. Oh man, it was all pastor was on fire. What did he preach on? Yeah, I forgot, <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> now, one thing you cover in your book, and I am absolutely in agreement with is there is a difference between knowing about Christ 
and knowing Christ, loving Christ, serving Christ, surrendering to Christ, and maintaining that kind of relationship with him. And you use the phrase, tithing your time. Now, I have used that phrase for over 25 years. Hadn't heard anybody else use that phrase. And, and, and I'm shocked that even when I say it, people don't now, they still don't know, understand what it means, but you use it. How can I tithe my time? So you and I are on the same page here. Explain that for our listeners. Yeah, let me let me start with the genesis of it. Um, it's I, I've been working on a program since 93 called Governing Values. Uh, God gave that to me through some construction management courses I took, time management. And I was thinking to myself, why don't Christians use time management for their lives? I mean, why? what if I took this time management but turned it into a Christian course where people would learn how to do these things? And, and a lot of the, the disciplines of faith were a part of that. But it took me 10, 20 years to get to that point, too, because I didn't know what I was doing, if you know what I'm saying. So it, eventually, this all worked down to tithe your time. And I had some people that I mentioned in the book that were, they were just kind of, you know, plodding me along, pushing me, don't give up, Jim, you're, you're, are you, how you doing? Are you working on the book? And then when I had my outline done, I said, wow, here's my outline. They're pastors and they're missionaries and they're very, very knowledgeable, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, uh, they have their masters in, in Christian philosophy type stuff. And she said, you can't put in tither time. You can't put that in the book. It's not in the Bible. You know, because I told her I, I'm trying to stick strictly with the Bible verses. It's not me. It's what Jesus says with my interpretation, what Jesus gave me and how to interpret it. She said, that's not in there. Well, at the end, I said, I don't care. I don't care if it's not in there. Amen. People need to know to tie their time. If they don't spend time with God, they're nothing. They're going to be nothing. You can't expect to be a Christian. You can't expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't spend some time with God. And I say tie their time. So what does that do? That gives you a goal. That gives you something to strike for, something to shoot for, and start small, like, like any goal. And then in my governing values, I teach about goal planning and what to do, how to do it, and all that stuff. But it it starts small and work your way up. Start with, you know, reading the Psalms is what I tell them in the book. Read Psalms, you know, five Psalms and one proverb every day. It works perfect. And then read about, you know, just go through the Bible in a year, have that. And then I tell them you were talking about missionaries and Billy Sunday and all that stuff. I tell them, read autobiographies of great Christian people in the past. See what they did, because that inspires people. Yeah, that could yeah. cause something to, you know, that could be a whole ministry for somebody. I don't know. But if you don't do it, if you don't tie your time, you're not going to get anywhere. And yeah. what's the big deal of spending two and a half hours of your time a day? Start some in the morning, start some in the evening. What I mean, look at the time we spend on the phone and, and mm -hmm. TV and all that. Yep. Yep. And, and I have to push myself, just so you know, people out there, I have to push myself too. I'm not, you know, perfect in everything I say and do. I have to follow my own book. I have to do what it says in there. I have to keep committing myself to this. This isn't something that's easy for any of us to do. It's something that we have to purposely do, and that's why if they grab a hold of tithing your time, that helps them to be purposeful. Yeah, amen. And like I said, two and a half hours a day. And 
yeah, you could sit down at 7 a.m. in the morning and just start reading the Bible and praying. And you know, what's going to happen? You're going to look at the clock. Oh, man, another half hour. That's not joyfully giving your tithe, you know. Correct. But if you sit down for that 45 minutes in the morning and then you're driving to work, you see, instead of listening to the crap that's on the radio on most of these stations, turn on a Christian station, just let the word be ministered to you. That's tithing to 20 minutes to work, 25 minutes to work, 25 Absolutely. minutes. To work. There's an hour, an hour plus the 45 minutes, hour and 45 minutes. You only got, you know, 45 minutes to go. You know, I mean, <laughs> what do you do at lunch? You know, I mean, turn the radio on at your desk or whatever, or pop in, you know, nowadays with these cell phones and stuff, you can do a podcast or whatever. Exactly. Just 30 minutes at lunch while you're eating your lunch. Now you're only like 15 minutes. So you spend that 15 minutes time in prayer, whatever you need to two and a half hours is not a lot of time to take out of your day because you can listen passively in the background. We were talking before the recording about how sometimes I'm playing the radio in the background and it's ministering to me. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, I won't go into all that, but, but you, you, you know, remember we had that conversation. It's ministering to me. If people would do this, even start somewhere with it. They're going to find when they go to church that they're already filled with the Holy Spirit. They're already ready to serve, not take. And 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 the change, and then, like me, I, I get up there and, and not all the time. There's sometimes I feel like dancing. I'm so full of the Holy Spirit. I just feel, I mean, everybody says oh, you're just making a spectacle and you're trying to be. No, I am not. Amen. I am so filled with the Holy Spirit that how can he not dance? David danced when the ark was coming into uh, Jerusalem. So why yeah. wouldn't we dance before the Lord? I think it's very good. Um, I think it's nothing wrong with enjoying the Holy Spirit with God. And, and then what happens is you might go next week and, and not have that. Okay. Yeah. But you know where to get it. You know Amen. where to go back to to get that again, and that is tithe your time, read, pray, fast, get a fasting yeah. program going, memorize scripture, get you some three by five cards and start memorizing some scripture, you know, just start doing all of that works to enhancing your relationship with God, and then God will use you mightily. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, when when were you led by the Lord? to write and publish this book, The Four Commands of Christ. Oh, that's a journey. That what, This didn't start, write this book, here it is, get going. It didn't happen that way. I was struggling with governing values. I had it written, but it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't like the process. I was working on the process because there is a process. You know, you have to figure out, you know, where you're at, where you want to go. And in, in there, then how are you going to get there? All that's part of governing value. So in thinking of that, I'm just thinking, this is too hard, God. No one's going to do this. I need something simple and something straight. One day in my prayer time, uh, after one of my jobs, I got this, well, how about this? How about four commands of Christ? And I wrote it down fast because I know my mind, you know, once it's easy to get distracted and yeah. you lose your concentration, you lose your thought of where you're going to go. So I wrote it down. Wow, it's pretty good. Four commands. I, and I looked up the scriptures he gave me right away. And I'm not sure if I read it and it just kind of just glowed. But, you know, I, I, I read uh, 
Matthew 22, 37, and kept going in that. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Lord said these two commands, all the law, all prophets hang on these two. And I start thinking about that. And it took me, I don't know, I, I thought quite a bit about it. hang, hang, hang. Well, what do you mean? That's some. And then that some, if it hangs, isn't that, su- isn't that same thing as summation? It's summed up in these two commands. And I started thinking about that. And then I kept reading. I got to John 13, uh, 34, and it says, um, a new command I give you. And I go, oh, that's important. He didn't say that anywhere else. A new command. And so I read the new command. You love one another as I loved you. The difference is, this is what God gave me that I haven't heard before. I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm not saying someone didn't catch this like myself, but I have never heard it from the pulpit personally. How's that? Personally. This is for the churches. This isn't, you know, you hear it all the time, songs, and you hear people talking about, we need to go out and love people. We need to, and they use it for that. No, no. Who did God say it to? He said it to his disciples. They're in the upper room. Judas is gone. He's not there. He's saying it to them because they're the beginning. Isn't Peter the rock? Isn't he the beginning? Isn't he the foundation of all these guys, the leader? And he gave it to them saying, if you guys don't love one another, nobody's going to get this. And I felt like in my heart, man, isn't that the church today? We're backbiting. We're saying this about each other. We're doing that. Nobody wants to go to church because who wants to go to a church that they call us hypocrites, you know, not knowing that, yeah, we are, but we're trying, you know, you're not even trying, (laughs) at least we're trying, you know, we're trying to work through this. We're trying to be what God wants us to be and we don't get it right. But you know what? God understands that. But if, if we don't start in the church, forgiving one another and loving one another, Nobody outside the church is going to want to be with us. So that was my third command to Christ. And then when I got, and, and I know this jumps around a little bit, when I got to the end of Matthew, you know, the Great Commission, God just put it on my heart. That's a command. The word go is a command. Amen. And I want my I want my word preached around the world. And he gave this, this thought to me, I, I want to say, or this interpretation to me, it's all of us. It's not the pastor. It's not the missionary, which, you know, if you look a lot of churches, nobody can go out and do that except the pastors and the missionary. No, it's not God's intent. It's all of us. Every one of us. I don't care if you don't, if you're scared, I don't care. That's why I have the little, I have a little pamphlet that I, if churches will work with me on this, a little pamphlet that helps you break. Hey, have you heard of the four commands of Christ? No. Well, here's something that'll, that'll anchor you. You follow the four commands and what God tells you to do in that, it'll anchor you. That helps people to go out and, and do the Great Commission, everybody. Because that's why you see the country where it's at. That's why you see the churches are in decline. We're not spreading the gospel like we should. That's why you're number one and you're just doing all your, your podcasts and your radio program. People want to hear the truth. Man. They're starving for the truth. And we have to, as, as being called Ezekiel, being called by, you know, the same, the word there, Ezekiel, we have to do that or it's on our head. So we're willing to do that. We're willing to do it. Not because God says of the punishment, but because we love Jesus so much. And we want everybody to know if I can love Jesus this much, why can't you? 
If Amen. God has the Holy Spirit this strong in me, why can't you have it? You can't. I'm I'm no, you know, uh, I'm no special. I'm not something special to him. I'm a tool uh, to, that he uses to his glory. And isn't my purpose in life to glorify God? Amen. And then when Amen. we do these things for God, the love that he gives us, nobody. Mm-hmm. There's no comparison to that love. Amen. That I your feel in my heart. Your testimony, and mine as well, was basically trying to find ourselves in our purpose in life. The purpose that God had for us to be born in the first place. I mean, our purpose in the body of Christ and, and how we are to serve our Lord. How can people find their purpose and their mission in life? If they take the four commands of Christ, and, and, and I know sounds like I'm self-advertising for myself. I'm not. Trust me. Follow four commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Go. If you do those four things on a continuous basis. Now, I've had, I, I've been sharing this before I even thought about the book. I've been sharing this concept with pastors everywhere, trying to get pastors on board when I go to, to a job and I build a church or I build a bank or whatever. I, I preach, teach this. And all I had was a pamphlet of the four commands. And I tell them, if you do this, one pastor emailed me back and said, I don't know how to do it. I've never known how to do it. How do we do it? And I started writing him this big old long email. Well, this is what you do, and I'm all about works. You see what I'm saying? It's all about works. Do this, do that, do you know? And the old love the Lord you got with all your heart, all your mind, soul. Mm-hmm. God slapped me upside the head, said, "No, that's not it." And I prayed and prayed. Well, what is it then, Lord? And I never sent that email to him because I knew the Holy Spirit saying, "Do not send it." Mm-hmm. And, and and another week, another night, it came to me. He said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength is humble yourself and submit. So I wrote that down. And then he gave me um, the second one is, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And that was give your neighbor grace and mercy. That's what God gives us. We all want grace. Everybody on this earth wants to have grace and mercy and Amen. not be condemned or, you know, oh, don't go with that person. Look at the, you, you know how Christian, you know, yep. maybe yep. the Puritans or something, you know what I mean? This, <laughs> they Don't get around me. You're, you're no good. Yep. No, you give your neighbor grace and mercy. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you want to cuss, yell, scream. No, give them grace and mercy because you don't know what they've walked through. You don't exactly. know why they did exactly. that. You don't know anything about them. And what you're doing is you're harming yourself. That's all you're doing is you're harming yourself and all these interactions. So if you give your neighbor grace and mercy, God gives you grace and mercy and you feel it in your heart. This isn't just something that, you know, you do and it's there's nothing there. There is a reward from the Holy Spirit that just swells you up with love inside. And then love one another. Um, the same thing. He gave me forgiveness. The people inside the church need to forgive each other. They just need to learn forgiveness. And they need to not go and, and, and paint that person with their past. Jesus knows nothing of their past. Nothing. Right. Don't paint that person of the past. Paint them with the future. 
I have a future for you. I have plans for you. Paint them with that, not with that, and give them forgiveness and give them a chance. Teach them. I mean, if you're all that in the bag, then teach these people how to be Christians. Use the four commands and teach them how to humble themselves and submit. Give people grace and mercy, forgiveness. And then because you're so full of the Holy Spirit, you have the full armor of God. This is the, the four commands is the full armor of God. If anybody Praise wants God. to know what the full armor of God is, you do the four commands and the disciplines of faith. You have put on the armor of God. Then you can go out and you can tell people about Jesus Christ. You don't have your sins. You don't have what you did wrong. You don't have that evil thought you had about somebody inside you anymore. And you go out there and you can talk with a freeness that you've never had before. And you may even say something you didn't think you're going to say. And you go back and you go, wow, Holy Spirit really helped me with that one. (laughs) That's what God wants for us. I know in your book, you talk a lot about the armor of God. Share a couple of points on living with the armor of God and, and what it does and how we're to utilize it. Okay. So what happens, and, and I just touched on it, so I'll continue. What happens is we don't go out and talk to people about Christ because we know we don't live the Christian walk and we have guilt and guilt won't let us. So you do not have the full armor of God on there because Satan's arrows have penetrated that umbrella, that covering, that protection, because you've allowed it into your life. You have to then go through and and just work on the four, read your Bible. If you do the disciplines of faith, know that you're eternal. Know that you, you, you are going to go one place or another. It doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want to, but you're eternal. You're either going to go eternity in hell or eternity into heaven. Amen. God knows we're not perfect. That's why he came on this earth to teach us truth. He knows we're not perfect. So what we just need to do is every morning I say, get on your knees and confess. Get on your knees, humble yourself, submit to Jesus, surrender to Jesus and tell Jesus, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. My wife, I can't take it. I can't take anymore, Lord. And and we want to fight. We want to just get out there. And as men, especially, we you know we attack. We we submit. We put them under our control because we can't take it anymore. And you either do this the way I want it or, or else. That's what you tell Jesus. Yeah. And then you say, Lord, now you go fight the battle for me. Amen. That's putting on the full armor of God. Let him go out and fight the battle. You're reading. You're praying. You're fasting for all these things. You're 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 doing the due diligence that as Christians we should do. And it's not works. I mean, like you said earlier, it's it's we do it out of a submission. We do it out of love for Christ. And and you can do it in many numerous ways. There's all kinds of media out there for us to do oh, yeah. the, the disciplines of faith. Just do something. Don't sit idle. Do something and watch the Holy Spirit come to you. And then what that does is now Satan may come to you and say, well, you did this. Yeah, but it's under the blood. I confess to Jesus. And if I go before the throne and I cover and Jesus asks me or or the devil condemns me, because when we go to the throne, it's like a judgment seat. You know, you got the devil over there that's accusing us. And we got Jesus over here saying, no, he's covered by the blood. You can have no touch. You have nothing on this man. Come and, and join me in my banquet is what Jesus says. All you have to do is just do your best, whatever that is. And work on improving, okay? And every time something comes up, put it under the blood, meaning 
confess it to Jesus, say, what do I need to do to change? What is What do I need to do to make things better between you and me, Lord? If you don't get the first command of Christ right, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all mind, your soul, you cannot put on the full armor of God. You can't right. do it. You have to start there. That's why it's number one. That's why it's the, they call it the royal commands. The two, the, the two that are called the royal commands. And you'll see it throughout the Bible. Love one another. Love your neighbor. Love God. You'll see it preached. And then you'll also see, if you do my commands, if yeah. you do my commands, you love me, Amen. I will accept you and my Father will accept you if you do my commands. Mm -hmm. So that also told me something about this. We have to follow those four commands. He's Amen. made it simple. He, you know, Deuteronomy 30, <coughs> verse 11. You don't have to go to heaven and bring it down and have somebody explain it to you so you understand this. You don't have to go to a far sea over there and bring it back and have somebody understand it. Why? I put it in your heart. Amen. And the only reason it doesn't come out of people is because they harden their heart. That's why the Bible talks about hardness of heart. That's what that is. We've hardened our hearts so we can't hear that spirit. Praying and confessing and humbling ourselves and submitting breaks that down. The that's then you get the armor of God of protection around you. Amen. And you you know what what um, Job said. You know there's or Satan said to God about Job. There's a hedge of thorns around him. I can't mm -hmm. get in there. Yeah. That's the armor yeah. of God. That, that yeah. is the armor of God. And by just being Christians, by just exercising our faith, like exercising, running and all that, if you want to be a, a big, fast runner, you go out and you do the things that it takes. You want to be a football player, you do the things that it takes. You want to be a good carpenter, I do the things that it takes. I do my due diligence, you know. Amen. And, and, and we will succeed. And when you taste success, you're going to blab your mouth off to everybody, and then you've completed the four commands of Christ, and you've really put on the full armor of God, God and Amen. shared that. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, uh, you can talk to just about any believer today, and they will all be in agreement, at least for the most part, if they're Holy Spirit-filled, that we are living in the last of the last days. How do you interpret the Bible in light of the day and time in which we live today? What do you see? Because God touched me like he did at 16, I have confidence in saying the reason he gave me Ezekiel 3.17 was on to proclaim the truth. We are in the last days. We are in what's called the birth pains of the last days. I'm proclaiming it. And I, a lot of people say, well, who are you? I'm a nobody telling you this is the last days and god gave me the four commands of christ at this time in my life 40 years later than when i started to share so that you all would know when when things get tough and things get bad and and, and maybe censored maybe they're going to make us burn our bibles i don't know what the future is going to bring all i know is if you do the four commands it's easy it's direct it's from Jesus. It's not, I'm not telling you to do that. Jesus says to do this. So I'm not bringing something, a, let's call it a new revelation. I'm not bringing any of that to you. I'm just bringing it to a point of what Jesus said. He said, all the law, all the prophets are Amen. summed up in these two. Yep. Go, a new command I give you to the disciples for the new church. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, be ready. How do you get ready? How do you put on this full armor of God and get ready for the end times? 
follow the four commands, follow the disciplines of faith, prepare yourself, be ready, because none of us knows what it looks like. I feel, and this is my interpretation, and I know there's a lot of preachers and pastors out there that say that we're going to get out of this before, you know, the uh, end times are really here. And uh, I I think we're going to go through a lot of it, because he says, if I didn't shorten the times, even my elect would miss out. Yep. So that Amen. means, wow, is there a dry mm-hmm. time coming? I, I I don't see where there's this huge revival before the end times. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to say apathy, apathy is the worst thing you can have in your life. Yeah. So don't have apathy. Tithe your time, tithe your money, yep. trust God, put yourself out there. Just put yourself out there yeah. and watch Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. James, this has been so fascinating. How can someone obtain a copy of your book, The Four Commands of Christ, Disciplines of Faith? Is it on Amazon? Yes. It's by the way, when we when we launched, it uh it led in 14 categories. And, and my publisher wasn't expecting that. They were thinking one or two, you know. And, and myself, I was thinking zero. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you know, but who wants God, to listen to right? a, a, a non- you know, a guy that's just a carpenter who's got a high school education. Who wants to listen to this guy? <laughs> and uh, it went for, number one, 14, two weeks. And uh, then it started going down, of course. You know how that goes. Yeah. And then I was looking, oh, I think a month ago, and we we're still number one in Christian, um, some some category with Christianity. And I thought, Praise well, thank Lord. you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Because it's his book. It's not exactly. mine. It's his. Yeah. But it's something that needs to go worldwide. It's something Christians need to have. And the, why do they need to have it? Because it sets your foundation. And Jesus said it. I didn't. So don't take me. You read it. You see what Jesus says. You think about what he says. Let the Holy Spirit teach you and 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 what you think is in there. And you'll see he said it. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask a question or get more information on your ministry or maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? They can go to the Ark Project US. Uh, that's the umbrella of my ministry because uh, I want to go to churches and teach this to churches around wherever I can go. So I developed it's a nonprofit like everybody has 501c3. That's a, a, the Ark Project US, the four commands of Christ.com.org.net. <laughs> I grabbed them all because I didn't want someone to co opt it, if you know what I'm saying. Because I really, in my heart, this is something God wants to get out there. So the four commands of Christ, if you Google it, it should show up. Walmart, so I mean, I Google it and you get Walmart, Christian books, this, Barnes and Noble. It's, you know, you you could get it about anywhere. Go to a Christian bookstore and they'll order it. You can have it in no time. Amen. Amen. I'll put links to all this down in the show notes below. Folks, thank you. James Ford has written this book under the inspiration and command of the Holy Spirit. He's quantified some very important things and just a few major commands, the four commands of Christ. Praise God. You need to drop down the show notes right now while you're thinking about it and click the link right there to order this great book. Your life will not be the same. I mean, that's guaranteed. Amen. Buy one, buy two, buy three or more copies and share them out. Matter of fact, ask your pastor to order enough copies for your next topical Bible study and your weekly Bible study groups. I mean, you need the information that's in this book. Amen. Drop down the show notes, order your copy today. James, thank you for taking the time to to come on and join us on this program today and share all about your ministry and this great book, 
the four commands of Christ, discipline, disciplines of faith. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you, Robert. I, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to share Christ. And then, folks, that is all the time we have for today. For James Ford, myself, passed about reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and coworkers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com and be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.